0: Good morning, and thanks for being with us here today. Pastor Ron here, in case you don't know me by now. Hey, kids and families of all ages, we hope you'll head on over to our Burlington campus this afternoon for our Trunk or Treat event. Come and see the decorated trunks. Fill your buckets with candy and prizes. This event is free and will run from 1 to 3 p.m. Now, if I was a kid, I'd go make sure I do that. Plus, then you got time to double dip and go later in the day for more Trick or Treat cool, huh? Next Sunday is our M25 monthly food collection at both campuses during our morning service time. A list of needed items can be found on Church Center. Please consider grabbing a few extra items on your next trip to the grocery store to help support our local food shelves. Women's Ministry is offering a wellness workshop this Saturday from 9 to noon in the video cafe. Instructor Bree Joy will teach women how to reframe body image. The workshop focuses on biblical meditation to help you hear the voice of God more clearly and will teach you some techniques for learning how to be still, to embrace where you're at and cultivate a healthy mindset. The workshop is free and open to women of all ability levels, but space is limited. So sign up today. If you're trained and certified as an EMS or law enforcement professional, we're currently seeking to expand our safety team here, both at Essex and Burlington campus. If you're interested in more information, please contact Pastor Greg Walsh at gregessexalliance.org. Now, I read that, and I see we just need to keep Greg out of trouble, right? Anyway, have you lost a loved one and found yourself anxious about the upcoming holidays? To experience practical help and encouragement, please consider attending an online seminar called Surviving the Holidays. This seminar will take place November 9th from 630 to 8 p.m. Register by November 2nd on your Church Center mobile app or on our website. As most of you know by now, Nancy and I are wrapping up our time here in Vermont. This is my last Sunday, in fact, my last day on the job. And tomorrow morning, we're headed to Florida. We're trading the snow for the sand, maple trees for palm trees, ready to enjoy more sunshine and extremely looking forward to spending more time with family, specifically those grandkids. We came here 21 years ago and quickly fell in love with this church, with Vermont, and jumped full speed ahead into ministry. It's been an awesome time. Our three kids each found their spouses here. Now with nine grandkids spread out in three states, we find it's time to retire and enjoy our family. So it's time to say goodbye. But before I say goodbye, I wanna say how honored, how fortunate I feel to have served here for so long. So many fun moments, so many worship experiences, so many talented people have come and gone, so many friends. So thank you for loving us, for caring for us, for growing with us. It's been a treasured time. (laughs) <laughs> and we are so extremely grateful. Thank you to Pastor Scott and Diane, and to all the church staff who I've served with, for all the worship team and tech crew, all who have served so faithfully through the years. It's been an adventure, and we will miss you all. We don't know exactly what God has in store for us for the next 21 years, but we do know that these past 21 years have been so rich, so blessed, and so full of God's faithful abundance. So, thank you all. God bless you all, and to Luke
1: going to make it, there we go, Quick, quick uh, change of plans. So just hold your applause for just a moment, but I am going to invite Ron and Nancy to come out on the stage with me, and then you'll have plenty of time to applaud. So Ron and Nancy, come on out here with us if you wouldn't mind. <clears throat> so... <clears throat> So, uh, Ron loves Chicago. We're not sending you to Chicago. We're not getting tickets to Chicago. Uh, Mark just thought he'd play a little Chicago for you coming out here. So, uh, this is the day um, that uh, we've been dreading, very sincerely. Uh, I said in a note, which you'll get a chance to read, there's this mixed sadness and joy thing that's taking place for me. Uh, There's a sadness, of course, having to say goodbye. But that sadness can switch pretty quickly when I just put myself in your guy's place. <clears throat> and I mean that. You're moving to Florida. Uh, I mean, yes, it's heaven's waiting room, but that's a different thought. Um, <clears throat> you really, you really got to block that out of your mind. Um, you're moving to Florida. You're close to the beach, but most importantly, you're by your grandkids. And uh, that kind of takes that sadness piece out right away. But the other piece I would say is this. Um, It helps me when I remember that, though I've been dreading this moment for now 21 years. (laughs) You guys started it backstage. This has actually been a lifetime in the making. Because of not uh, simply retiring from here. Uh, you all get to witness something. <clears throat> if I stand away from you for a minute, help me.
0: <clears throat>
1: <clears throat> Very sincerely, you get to witness something that is not seen all the time. Uh, you get to see the culmination of someone who is given their life in service and who finish well. And we are privileged very sincerely to be here with you when you finish well. On a personal note, as a pastor, there is a dark side to ministry. Um, There are relationship issues and those kind of things that happen in ministry. And when Ron came and we began to partner together, never was there a fear, never was there a sense of not, you not having my back. But the other side is that is this. Every lead pastor, every person, but every lead pastor has the things about them, the, the idiosyncrasies, uh, the things that are, are annoying, the things that are troublesome, the bad leadership moments, all of those things. And if I have any of those, <clears throat> you have never acted like I have. You have always walked with me as if I was practically perfect, but we know better. But you have demonstrated that as you walked along. And I want to say thank you for that on a personal note. This church is a better place because of your guys' ministry here with us. And the kingdom of God is a bigger place because of your ministry here with us. And we are grateful. You have served for a lifetime. Now you get to go and enjoy retirement. But I know this of you. We've talked too many times. You will enjoy the early days of retirement. And then you'll begin to search for the place where you need to serve. And may you even enjoy those moments when you look to where God will have you serve next. Just a final thing for you want to give to you. this keyboard is a keyboard signed with all of the people. I'll get out of the way here a little bit for the camera. is a keyboard signed by all the folks that work with you, uh, pastoral staff, elders, leaders, sound tech, all the people that have been a part of ministry with you side by side. Um, they've taken some time to sign that. Marilyn Van Graber is on there. Um, so you've been, you've been pastoring her, and we wanted her to be able to sign that as well. Personally, I wanted to give you a picture of myself, my wife my wife said no let's do a keyboard and as you look at that I hope that you'll see beyond us but you'll see the joy that comes Ron and Nancy for a lifetime a faithful service to God and our sincere thanks do you want to say anything before they I allow them to applaud there you go
2: he can't talk <laughs> the last few days he hasn't talked <laughs> I just want to say on behalf of Ron and I, you'll never know what this church has done for us and our family. When we moved here 21 years ago, we came broken, severely broken, and God has done a healing in our lives and in our children's lives, and we never experienced grace until we moved to Vermont, (laughs) and we are blessed, and it's a gift. And this man right here is phenomenal. I don't know what Ron would have done without him. He's been serving in the church since he was probably 13. And this is the best way and the best place he could ever be to finish out. I don't know what I would be today if it wasn't for Diane to come alongside me and always support me. Always, always Support me. We love you guys. We're gonna miss you. Marilyn, we love you so much. You hang in there girlfriend. We'll be, we'll be Zooming or something quick soon. But um, thank you. Thank you everyone for everything you've done.
1: Now is your opportunity. Stay standing. Stay standing. Let me offer just a prayer. Father, may Ron and Nancy, a simple prayer, may they thoroughly know and enjoy the sweetness of knowing that they've been obedient. May they now enjoy in, these, in this next adventure, the next chapter of their lives, may they sense your presence as they have in every chapter before, before this and everyone that will follow, but may they experience the absolute joy of being able to sit back and say ah oh, i've had the opportunity to serve jesus for a lifetime may they may they just drink in that sense of grace and joy in your obedience bless them we pray in jesus name amen God bless you guys. Pastor Matt, if you'll make your way out, if you have not signed a card yet, if you wanted to give a card, we have cards for them. If you had not a chance to express a personal word of thanks, we have cards out in the lobby uh, for you to do just that.
3: Uh, now, now, I have to bring a message. Um... Uh, we'll miss Ron and Nancy dearly. Uh, I do, before we get to the message, just want to say one thing, another announcement. Uh, for our young adults, college, 20-somethings, we're going bowling tomorrow, 6.30 at uh, spare time. Noah, you're shaking your head. I can't wait to kick your butt tomorrow at spare time. Um, but we'll be there, 6.30, spare time in Colchester. Bring a few bucks. We'll play a few games. We'd love to have you join us. Uh, whether you're here in the room, online, uh, please. 6.30, spare time tomorrow. We'll see you there. Um, you know, we're, we're going to continue today in the series we've been in now for a couple months, the I Have a Question series. And uh, I hope this series has been a good experience for all of us, uh, whether you're a Christian or not, right? We all have questions and wonders and doubts and assumptions, misunderstandings. And uh, as we worked through this series and tackled some subjects and questions that deal with uh, this kind of stuff, it's been my hope and Pastor Scott's hope that uh, something in your heart and mind has been encountered, and hopefully you see Jesus a little more clearer wherever you're at. Uh, today is obviously Ron and Nancy's last Sunday with us. They leave tomorrow. This is a big day, not just for them, but for us as well. In the life of our church, it's not going to be the same after today. As part of our family is moving away. And I have to admit, I do feel a little weird standing up here now delivering a message in light of that, uh, because I don't want to divert attention away from them in and, and this special moment, but Scott did ask me to preach today. I think he asked me for a reason, because I don't know if he'd be able to make it through the message after that, but uh, I was thinking about Ron and Nancy leaving, and, and sort of the purpose of the series that we've been in, and was thinking about transitions, and Following God's call, making decisions, all that kind of stuff.' been thinking about that the last few weeks, and what Ron and Nancy have gone through these past months, and something that I myself went through three years ago when my family moved here to Vermont um, I started thinking about this, and, and I, I asked myself, well, well, how do you know? How do you know? How do you know what to do or where to go? Um, you know, we talk a lot in the church about following God's call and his will for our lives. And, but how do you know? Does God speak directly to you? Is it signs and wonders? Is it a feeling inside? And I think for those of us who have said yes to following Jesus, there's an even more foundational uh, question. Or those of us who have not said yes to following Jesus, there's a foundational question. And that's, well, if God does exist, wouldn't he speak to us clearly? Right? If God does exist, wouldn't he speak clearly? So I've been thinking about this and and that's kind of the question I want to tackle today is does God speak? And if he does, how does God speak? So that's where we'll be. I want to start uh, this morning by defining a couple positions of thought on this. And see if any of them maybe resonates with you or people that you know, people in your lives. So just a couple positions to define here. A couple perspectives when answering the question, does God speak? The first I want to just define is the atheist perspective, and I think this seems pretty obvious to me anyway, that if you don't believe God exists, then God doesn't speak because he's not there to speak, right? Uh, Life is random. It's full of coincidences that we assign meaning to based on our emotions or our history or our desires. And... But if you believe God isn't real, you believe he doesn't speak, plain and simple. It's one perspective. But if you do believe that God is real, there are a few different perspectives you might have when it comes to thinking about whether or not God speaks and how he does it. So let me define a couple of these. First, we'll start with what I'll call the deist perspective. The deist perspective. Deism is a belief that God exists and that he created the world, but He's uninvolved in, the, in human affairs, and he's not actively engaged with the world or with people. He, he created and, and just sort of sits back. Now, deists place a high value on human reason. God gave us the gift of human reason and logic, and uh, so he allows us to take care of our own affairs because of that, and human reason allows us to see good and do good. And Jesus, in this deist perspective, is seen as a good moral teacher and example, but not much more than that. Deism, it can be a formal system of belief. Both Benjamin Franklin and Thomas Jefferson were deists. But this type of deist thinking is actually quite common among Christians, as well as other religions that believe that God exists. As they say, God exists, but he is distant, he is uninvolved. He's not interested in my life. And that baseline thought process can easily synthesize with, uh, with Christian belief and influence how you view God and how you answer the question, does God still speak? So from that deist perspective, no, God does not speak. Now, between deism and uh, sort of traditional Christian Thought and perspective, there's this intermediate step, a perspective that doesn't really have a formal belief system, but uh, back in 2005, through some research, was identified and named as actually a pretty prevalent view among people that believe in God, especially the Christian church. And this perspective is termed, now stick with me through this, moralistic therapeutic deism, moralistic therapeutic deism. There are five sort of core foundational beliefs that go into this moralistic, therapeutic, deism perspective. Number one, God exists and he created the world. Number two, God wants people to be good to each other as taught in the Bible and as taught through most uh, religious systems. Number three, the central goal of life is to be happy and to feel good about yourself. Number four, God generally is not involved in your life except when he's needed to resolve a problem. Other than that, God, God's not generally involved or interested. And number five, good people go to heaven when they die. So this perspective, the moralistic therapeutic deism perspective, it's, uh, it's termed moralistic in that there's a high value placed on being a good person. And good is really defined by popular culture rather than by what we find in the Bible. So tolerating behaviors in the Bible uh, called sin might be seen as good while calling those behaviors sin might be seen as intolerant or hateful. So it's moral in that way. It's all about good. Uh, It's called therapeutic because the primary value is placed on your happiness and feeling good about yourself. And it's God's job to take care of us and help us be happy and to feel good about ourselves. And it's deism because they teaches that God is real, but but he's only needed really when there's a problem to solve. So moralistic therapeutic deism, it's not an official religion or belief system. Rather, it's a perspective about God and who he is uh, that research has shown both inside and outside of Christianity is pretty prevalent perhaps some of you sitting there this morning, that might resonate with you or some people that you know. So does this perspective believe that God speaks? Yes, but not on his own initiative. God speaks just in response to our needs and our pleas for help. So there's that perspective. And the last perspective that I want to define this morning when we talk about the question, does God still speak, is my own perspective, the Christian perspective. And the answer here is Yes. (laughs) I believe God still speaks. And if God doesn't speak, did speak to us, how does he speak to us? So I want to go this morning to Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, where the author of Hebrews writes, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he also made the universe. We'll stop there. So uh, the author of the book of Hebrews starts this book by saying, in the past, God spoke to his people very differently than he speaks to his people now. And he's right. When you turn the pages back in the Bible to the Old Testament, we read about a God who speaks to people in a variety of ways. He speaks directly to people like Adam and Eve and Cain and Noah and Abram. Uh, He appears physically to Jacob and even wrestles with him. In the book of Genesis, uh, Moses speaks with God in the cloud, face to face. Samuel hears him calling out in the dark. David hears God's words through the prophet Nathan. Isaiah spoke with God and felt a burning coal on his lips. In the Old Testament, God speaks through clouds of fire and whirlwinds and burning bushes on mountaintops, through prophets, and even in person. In the past, God seems to speak Audibly and directly to people. And this can be kind of disorienting for us. Like, why doesn't God speak like that to me? Why does he seem invisible after having spoken so clearly and tangibly in the past? And it seems like uh, hearing from God in these big, tangible ways would be pretty powerful and pretty convincing that he exists and he speaks. Well, the author of Hebrews says that's how it used to be. That's in the past. And then look what he says next in connection to this thought. Hebrews 1.1 again. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. Now, those words, at many times and in various ways, they, they carry a sense of being sort of incomplete and sporadic, Yeah, in the Old Testament, God spoke in pretty big ways, but his speaking was somehow incomplete. It was fragmented. It was often mysterious revelations, and and his speaking wasn't consistent. Decades would often go by without a word from God, and people were often left wondering, much like us, is God still speaking? Is he even there? I think we would do well to translate this verse something like, It used to be that God spoke to our forefathers sporadically over a considerable period of time. Yes, he spoke, and he spoke big, but something about his speaking in the past was incomplete. We go to verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 1, where the author goes on and says, That's how it used to be, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, Something has changed. Jesus has come. Before Jesus came, God used to speak sporadically, but now in these days, God has spoken to us completely by his son, Jesus. Now, that, uh, this doesn't mean that God only spoke through Jesus when he walked and talked on the earth 2,000 years ago, because uh, we believe Jesus is alive, right? He's risen. He's still alive. And he still speaks to us through Jesus. Jesus. And I think we primarily hear the voice of God today by encountering the person of Jesus. Now, that perspective and that sentence might not seem initially helpful. It almost seems like we're kicking the can down the road a little bit, right? Uh, How does God speak? Well, through Jesus. Well, where's Jesus? I can't see him. I can't touch him. I can't see see his lips moving. Uh, It's still a mystery in a sense. So did we just kick the can down the road in this thought process? Well, no. This is actually enormously helpful for us in understanding how God speaks today. Let me explain that. Uh, First, Jesus being the one God speaks through today means that we hear from God the same way Christians have been hearing from God for 2,000 years in the history of the church. Now, if we look back to the New Testament, we see a community of people who heard from God all of the time. They were always hearing from God. The New Testament church... If you read the book of Acts and the letters, they heard from God through scripture, through prayer, through baptism, through the Lord's Supper, through words of wisdom and knowledge, through speaking in tongues. Sometimes people would be praying and fasting, and the New Testament will say, the Holy Spirit said something to them. In fact, in the book of Acts chapter 15, we have this story about uh, a dispute being settled at what's called the Jerusalem Council. Uh, All the church leaders, the apostles and local church leaders, gathered there in Jerusalem, and they were going to settle the question, well, if a non-Jewish person converts to following Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, do they have to follow all the Jewish customs and laws in order to do that? So they get together to settle this dispute, and they decide, no. No, they don't have to. And uh, in their official letter that's going to go out to the churches that they've given to Paul to carry, Acts 15, 28... They write, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit. Well, how did they know that? Acts chapter 16, we read a story of the Apostle Paul and his companions trying to go into the province of Asia Minor, but it says that they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to go there. Well, how did they know that? Somehow, God spoke to them. And the New Testament paints a picture that hearing from God is actually quite ordinary. And it is for us today as well. The second reason God speaking through Jesus is helpful is that it means that the Holy Spirit is in us and with us and speaking to us. John chapter 14, here's what Jesus says. He's been teaching his disciples some things and then he, after he teaches them uh, some things, he says this in verse 25. He says, these things I have spoken to you while I am with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit... Whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now, a couple of things that I think we should note here. Number one, that first, Jesus acknowledges the limitation of his time on earth. He says he spoke these things while he was still with us, but there's more coming. Second, Jesus expands the limit of his speaking by saying that the Holy Spirit, who's coming after him, will continue to teach us, and not only continue to teach us, but help us to remember what he's already ta- what he's already spoken, what he's already taught us. The Holy Spirit has been sent, and to all of us who would say yes to Jesus, to following him, the Holy Spirit is in us and with us, continuing to speak, and to help us remember and understand what he has already spoken. Uh, Third thing that's helpful about this perspective that Jesus continues to speak to us is that God speaking to us through Jesus means that we have an unchanging, ever-present, accessible, at least in our country, source to hear his voice, and that's the pages of our Bibles. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, The word of God is living and active. The Bible speaks. In the pages of this book, we have Jesus, His words, His actions, His commands, and we can read them and hear them always. These words in our Bibles are not what God spoke, but rather what He is speaking to us now today. Let me finish that verse, Hebrews 4:12. He says, "The Word of God is living and active." He goes on to say, It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It's living and active. The Bible exposes us, our shallow beliefs, our hidden motives, our doubts and fears, because it's personal. And when we read the Bible, study it, and meditate on it, we hear the voice of God speaking to us unmistakably, authoritatively, and personally. But I do think many of us want something different. We read the stories in the Bible about how God spoke in these amazing ways and I think for many of us who believe in God, that's what we want. We want God to talk to us like that. I mean, uh, what could be more personal? than hearing from God, talk to me about my life and my issues and what's going on with me. And for those of us who don't believe in God, you might say, well, if he's real, wouldn't, be that, how, wouldn't be, that be the way he would speak? Unmistakably, right? Powerfully. We often talk about having a personal relationship with God, right? That's the framework we use for faith. It's a relationship. And in relationship, there's communications, there's back and forth and we want that personal word from God so often. I also think many of us have been influenced by a culture that uh, values variety and values novelty, innovation, and the experience of us as individuals. And so the idea of something simple and regular, something ancient and unchanging is, ah, it might seem uninteresting, it might seem a little stale. But... This is our time, these last days, as Hebrews 1 says. And in these last days, God has spoken to us by his son and continues to speak to us by him. He has poured out his spirit on us and he has given us the written word of the Bible. Uh, maybe you haven't heard an audible voice of God speak to you before. So you believe Man, God doesn't really speak today. maybe you've never seen a a burning bush and a voice crying out to you from it maybe you've never met a prophet or had visions or dream dreams so you think God doesn't speak let me reassure you he does he speaks he cares he's involved in this world and he is involved in your life Let me offer just three ways that I believe we can hear God's voice today and then we'll have some concluding thoughts after this that'll hopefully tie them all together. Uh, How does God still speak to us today? Number one is the Bible. We just talked about that a little bit. Uh, God continues to speak to us through the pages of the Bible. It's living, it's active, and I'll bring this back around after we talk about the other two. Number two, how does God speak to us today? I believe he also speaks to us through our circumstances. Pastor Rick Warren, uh, he makes this comment. He says, "If when we follow Jesus, he says this, God has to make course corrections. And one way he does that is through the circumstances that come into your life. God can speak to us through our life's events. He often guides us through arranging our circumstances. And he often opens doors or closes doors, whether it's an opportunity or relationship. Things don't work out or they do. The New Testament even makes clear that hard circumstances, suffering, has a purpose for us, as tough as that can be. God speaks to us through our circumstances, but I will say this, we should not put all of our stock into our circumstances. They're a piece of the puzzle, not the end-all be-all of how God speaks. So I believe he speaks through circumstances. And just the third way I'll highlight how God speaks to us today is through, through his church. And we'll say big C church, his people. God uses his people to speak to his people. Have you ever been in a church service and you've sat there while the pastor was talking and thought, man, he's talking directly to me today. Maybe you've had a friend call you to get coffee and they've raised the concern about you at the exact moment you've been struggling most. Maybe you've had people encourage you to go for it, follow your dreams, or tell you, hey, maybe you should pump the brakes on that. It doesn't seem wise. God speaks to us through his people, whether it's encouragement or correction. You know, Ephesians 4 makes the point that, uh, that God's people, we are given to one another. We're all gifted in different ways. In order to help one another... Know Jesus and grow in our maturity and our relationship with him. And then as he's making this point in Ephesians 4, Paul writes these words in verse 15. He says, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. We are to speak to one another, truth in love. God speaks today through his people to help us grow and to help us mature. But again, we have to be careful with this. Uh, Most people are not perfect. We make mistakes. We say really dumb things sometimes to one another. We say hurtful things, whether it's intentional or unintentional. Not every word that comes out of someone else's mouth is good or from God. So let me try to tie these things together real quick. The Bible, circumstances, and hearing God speak through other people. Okay, let me try. Uh, God still speaks. He does. And for us, it starts and must always, always be grounded in the Bible. Uh, When we open our Bibles, we do meet with God very personally. It's how he has spoken and continues to speak. It's the only for sure, no doubt word we have from God, and it is for us today. It's what he has said and continues to say. And when we think about God speaking in our circumstances or speaking to us through other people, what we need... In order to effectively figure out, is this God? Is this God speaking? What we need is uh, illumination. The ability to see clearly how the word from God we find in our Bibles encounters and either affirms or contradicts what we see in our lives and circumstances. And the more that we commit to listening to him through the pages of our Bible, we read it, we study it, we pray through it, meditate on it, the more our hearts and minds will come in line with God and what he says, and we will be able to better recognize the sound of his voice in our circumstances and through the words of others. When you know his voice through the pages of your Bible, you will know his voice when he speaks elsewhere. You will be able to more clearly hear him guiding you and speaking to you as you go through life. Got a decision to make? You know God's character and the character God wants you to exhibit because you know his word, so make the right decision in light of that. Changing jobs, deciding who to date or who to marry, moving, calling that friend. If you are steeped in his living and active word, your character and conscience will be shaped by his voice and you will hear God guiding you through those circumstances. And in light of his voice, the advice of others, the voice of others, will seem wise or unwise as well. And our circumstances will look less like coincidence and more like divine providence. So does God still speak? Yeah. Yeah, he does. Now, I'd like to finish this morning by uh, telling you a story about my life that I think pulls some of these things together. And I'm not sure I've shared this whole story with you before, which is silly because this is, I'm going to tell you the story of how uh, God spoke to my family and to me and uh, how we moved here to Vermont through his, uh, through his voice speaking to us. So I'm not sure I've shared this with you before, how he spoke and how he made it happen. So uh, it was late October 2018 which was, I guess, exactly three years ago because it doesn't get much later October than today, right? It's October 31st. So it was late October 2018, three years ago, when I called Pastor Scott and said, hey, we're coming. It's three years ago. And then our family moved here January 1st, 2019. Uh, Before we came to Vermont, uh, our family was serving at a church in Brewster, Massachusetts, which is on Cape Cod. I was a youth and children's pastor there for about four years. Uh, And in early 2018, so seven, eight, nine months before that phone call, uh, I started experiencing some angst and anxiety. I couldn't quite put my finger on why or what was causing this, but... I was suffering. I'd been doing youth ministry for a while and uh, it's a ministry I believe in and I was having some success with. Our ministry was growing. We were having fun. Uh, it was discipleship focused. We were seeing new kids come fairly often. It... But something deep in my soul began to feel very unsettled. And I began to have this turmoil that I, I wasn't quite sure what to do with And it was affecting me personally, it was affecting my ministry as well. Things were starting to get really rocky because of it. So I was dealing with this and after a couple months uh, we had our annual district conference for New England uh, Christian and Missionary Alliance Churches. All of our pastors and leaders we get together once a year and uh, have a couple day conference. We vote on some things and And Tom Flanders, who many of you know, our district superintendent at the time, he was leading all of us through this exercise of kind of long-term planning, long-term goals for our churches and for our ministries, and went through the exercise, and then I looked back at my notes when the time had finished, and I, I looked down at my paper and realized I did not write anything that had to do with youth or children's ministry down on the page. And in that moment, that was that aha moment, it began to click for me, like, oh, The angst and anxiety I'm feeling is God, I think, starting a movement in my soul to move me out of this ministry that I'd been a part of for a while. And maybe out of the place I'd been serving. And that was really scary. (laughs) I didn't want that. I didn't want to move. I didn't want to go through a transition, a job transition. I didn't want to take my kids out of school and move them somewhere else away from their friends. I didn't want to disappoint anyone by saying, hey, I love you but I'm out of here you know that's a hard conversation to have I didn't want that so but I began to talk with our other pastors on staff there and on the cave and we began talking and praying about it together and I was given the freedom to begin kind of pursuing this tug on my soul all right if if this is God moving we let's let's test it out see what's out there if God's moving you somewhere else so I called Tom Flanders and let him know, hey, can you be praying for me? This is what's going on with me. And kind of put out a feeler to him and say, hey, is there anything in the district maybe we could figure out? And he was like, all right, I'll pray for you and hung up. I was like, okay. So uh, I started putting out some feelers, not heavily, but within a day or two, I found uh, this church in New England that was looking to hire an associate pastor, similar to what I've been doing now. And, but this church wasn't part of the Alliance but it was close, very close to where I had done my graduate studies, my undergraduate studies, a place that I had lived for eight years, where my wife and I, our first apartment together after we got married, a place where we had really good friends and still have really good friends there today. So I sent them my resume, and it's the only church I talked to other than Essex Alliance, by the way. I sent them my resume, and Within a couple days, I had a phone call with their lead pastor. Two weeks later, I was up there for an in-person interview. A month later, I brought my family up, all of us to sit and talk with the pastor and, and their team. And I was excited, I was hopeful, but, but also between that first and second visit, I, something in me was starting to think, oh, maybe this isn't the right thing. Just had this feeling. Some things I wanted weren't quite matching up. But so many things did match up, and I wanted to stay with the Alliance, not sure if it was for me. So I told God, as we were praying after that second visit, I told God, hey, I don't think I can say no to them. You got to make it happen, God. If this is no, tell me no. And we had a phone call after that second visit, and they told me, Matt, we're not going to hire you. So I was like, thanks, God, I guess. And I... <laughs> You know, it hurt. I want them to want me. I want to be liked and loved, and then I want to say no to you. No, you don't say no to me. I want to say no to you. But God said no by arranging my circumstance and speaking through someone else in that moment. Because I wouldn't have been able, in my weak flesh, to say no. I was a little bummed, but I I believed okay, God, I think this is you. I think we're going to be okay. Literally the day after that phone call, Tom Flanders calls me, little frantic, Matt, are you still looking to make a transition? Yeah. Did you accept that job at that church you were talking to? No, I didn't. It didn't work out. Good. He said, I'll call you back. Uh, Side note, this was August 2018 at this point. My birthday is late September, and uh, my wife and I, Taylor, we've been planning for my birthday weekend, late September, what better time to come visit Vermont? And we thought, hey, let's go up to Burlington, we'll spend a weekend there, we'll, we'll enjoy the city we'd visited before. Um, so Tom calls me back and he says, hey, uh, you know, there's this church in Burlington, Vermont, that's going to make a transition and partner with this church outside of Burlington, and they need someone to come and be a part of the pastoral team, would that interest you? I said, yeah, actually. Uh, Pastor Scott called me a few days later and we, we had a really good conversation. Uh, he did say if I had a beard and tattoos, he wasn't interested, but I... <laughs> but maybe God spoke to him too. <laughs> and uh, I, we had a good call and uh, he invited us to come up and visit and said, hey, um, you have a time sometime to come up to the Burlington area and uh, have a conversation and meet with some of our people. And I said, yeah, funny thing, actually, we're gonna be there in a few weeks. Coincidence? I don't think so. We had a good visit, Taylor and I getting excited and came back a few weeks later for a follow-up and to talk some more specifics about some things. And I left that visit feeling a little scared and being like, okay, this is real now. Like this might actually happen. It's not just an idea. And but in order to, to make our transition here happen, and, and in order for us to boldly be able to say yes to what we thought God was speaking, we, we had some details to figure out. We had to figure out our housing, and we had to figure out our kids' school. We had to figure out housing because uh, you may remember Pastor Jeff and Cindy White. They were in the area, uh, living in the parsonage at North Ave, and uh, that's where we were going to reside eventually. But we had about nine months where we had to figure out housing while we waited for Jeff and Cindy to get out of there. So we thought, okay, we got to figure out housing. And we had to figure out our kids' school because they were both preschool age, and they were coming out of preschool on the, on the Cape, and there were literally no preschool openings in Burlington. Called and called and called. Halfway through the year, right? We're coming in January. For housing, I was visiting, uh, I looked at like 800 square foot apartments in Winooski and in Essex and, you know, for a young family with two boys and a, we have a hundred pound lab, like that's not a lot of space, right? We said, okay, it's temporary. We can make it work. If God's calling us here, we'll God, okay, Lord, we'll do this. We'll be on top of each other like that. And, um, you know, we were thinking that way and, and during that time, the word was put out here that, hey, if anyone knows they have a property or a rental thing that they can help out Matt and Taylor with, let us know. And wouldn't you know, (laughs) wouldn't you know, one of our Essex Alliance members had a recently, unexpectedly vacated rental property right down the road from North Ave Alliance, a mile away. Same neighborhood that we're in now, same schools that my kid goes to now. God arranging our circumstances. Uh, now for preschool, Taylor, she had called and called and called, left messages everywhere, wasn't getting calls back or the calls back she was getting were, hey, we don't have an opening. But as time got closer, she thought one day, and she'll tell you no particular reason other than it popped in her head, said, let me call this one school one more time. And She called and they answered. And wouldn't you know, their morning preschool class had two openings in the same room at the same time. Our kids would wind up in the same preschool class for that second half of the year. Is that a coincidence? I don't know. I don't think so. And looking and putting all of those pieces together as we were making this decision, right? The movement in my soul and the turmoil, uh, doors closing, doors opening, our hope and desire to stay part of the Alliance and in New England, all of these details we needed to figure out before we made the transition were figured out beyond our expectation. Um, Taylor and I looked at the situation and we said, God is speaking to us. How can we, we have to go. So three years ago, I called Scott and said, we're coming. So do I believe God speaks today? Yeah, I really, really do. And that's one big thing our family went through. You know, all of life's circumstances look different for, for all of us. I know for Ron and Nancy and the transition they're going through and the, the move they're making tomorrow... That's a different story with different details, with God speaking in different ways. And I know, I know, and they know that they are following God's leading into this next season of their life and of their ministry. Even if he's leading them to an alligator-infested swampland. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not always clear and it's, it's usually not easy. But if you know God's voice through his living and active word, the Bible, you will be able to hear him when he speaks through circumstances and, and through other people. However, he's speaking to you at that moment. So church, I just want to encourage you. You want to hear God speak? Start with your nose in his word, and you will know his voice when he speaks in other ways. Would you stand as we close in prayer? God, again, we just want to say how much we're thankful for and we love Ron and Nancy and appreciate their time with us and their friendship, their leadership, and their hearts. We will feel this loss. But we can also rest assured, God, because we know that you are the one speaking to them, speaking to us, and making these things happen. And how could that be a bad thing? So God, I just say, help us to hear you. Speak to us. I know for myself and for many of us, Lord, (laughs) when you do speak to us, please make it obvious. And Lord, help us to know your voice. So as we go from this place today, we know and we are confident that yes, you are a God who speaks that you are indeed interested in my life because you care about me. And you have a plan. So Lord, speak and help us to hear. Be with us as we go. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, church. God bless you. We'll see you at Trunk or Treat. Wear your raincoats. God bless.